As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. And I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. It's Wednesday, which means we'll be picking out some of the best work available on the Athletic right now and putting the author under the spotlight. Here's De Bruyne. Sterling with a touch. Danilo pulling it back. It's Raheem Sterling! They've done it! Raheem Sterling, the man who rescued them against Everton on Monday night, has come up with the goods again. This week we're going to be highlighting a piece fresh from Manchester City correspondent Sam Lee entitled Raheem Sterling's Future, It's Complicated. Yeah, excited to get stuck into this one with Sam. And Sam is right, it's definitely more complicated than I'd previously thought. We'll bring him in in just a moment, but Flo, what's new in your world? I mean, we have to talk about Ranieri getting sacked and... I can't believe it's taken this long. How has it taken so long? Roy Hodgson, of all people, being literally wheeled out as his replacement. I did not see that coming. I thought the Um, man was well and truly feet up, done, retiring and, you know, off into the sunset vibes. And somehow he's back here again. He can't resist, can he? Roy Hodgson does not need to take that job. No, not, not at all. It seems like an unnecessary headache. Yeah, exactly. The stress. I mean, we all know the impact that stress can have on your body. Mm. The man is 74 years old. He does not need the stress of the chaos of Watford right now. And, you know, obviously if he pulled this off, it would be legendary. But really, like he's achieved so much already in his career it's, it's, it's a weird one for me. We are going to chat about it in a bit more depth after we chat to Sam because Ollie Kay has done a, a massive piece about the chaos of Watford and their you know strategy of, of hiring and firing tons of managers. So I guess we'll, we'll probably get stuck into that one after a little bit of Man City chat first. Remember, you can sign up to The Athletic today for just £3.33 a month for 12 months simply by visiting theathletic.com slash footballpod. If you do that, you'll enjoy unrivaled sports writing as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts 
And as we enter the last week of the January transfer window, The Athletic are still recording daily transfer shows with exclusive news and insight into all the big deals from the best newsroom in the industry. The only place you can hear all these podcasts is on The Athletic app or by subscribing to The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead, start your free trial today. Sam, thanks ever so much for joining us for this Raheem Sterling special podcast. Reggie Peace, enjoyed it. Lots of juicy stuff in there about Raheem, so we'll get straight into it. Take us back to the summer. So Raheem Sterling just absolutely ripped it up for England as we dare to actually have a go at trying to win a major international tournament for the first time in 60 years. And then come September time, he's out the Man City side and he wants to go. Well, there's basically three sides to this story that I can tell you. There may well be more that will come out in time, but there's three that I can tell you and a couple that people could see with their own eyes. So for a start, really, it was around the time that Foden had really established a place on the left for City and Mahrez had established a place on the right. So we're talking about March onwards. We're talking about Champions League knockout games. And then when Pep was had his starting eleven in mind for those big games, he was then resting those names for the Premier League games with the, when the title was basically done already. So Sterling had kind of fallen into that second team, yeah. and Sterling wasn't playing quite so well as as that kind of went into April May. Um, but the other two things are the day of the Southampton match, Sterling wasn't in the team. He just played in the Manchester derby. He didn't do very well. Nobody did. City lost. It was the end of their unbeaten run. They didn't do particularly well. Pep gave the team. Sterling wasn't in it. He wasn't particularly happy. There's a few different versions of how it panned out. Ultimately, it's accepted that there was a, a bit of a disagreement between Sterling and, and Guardiola. From the Sterling side, more characterised as a few things had kind of built up around the time that he wasn't necessarily too happy about. And it had come out there. And, you know, that includes stuff like training arrangements and, um, other rumours, including like wasn't happy with playing time and th- this kind of thing. Also from the Sterling side, it was around March last year when he was offered a new contract by City, or they tried to open talks because his contract expires next summer, so 2023. So City obviously didn't want it to get anywhere towards 18 months. He wanted to tie it up nice and early. But Sterling had just left his agent, not really in the mindset at the moment to discuss a contract. So can we not do it now? We'll do it in a bit. From the Sterling side, they see that as impacting his minutes. It seems to be their their suggestion of why he fell out of the team from March onwards is he didn't want to sign the contract, so he's out of the team. And there was obviously this disagreement as well. And after that disagreement, um, Guardiola did one of his messages via the media, which wasn't to any player in particular, but it was, now we come to the business end of the season, the players who have helped me throughout the season, they will play. I'm not going to rotate for the sake of it. They will play. And anybody who hasn't helped me, they'll be on the bench. And you think, oh, I wonder who that's about. Three or four days later, they go to Fulham and Sterling's not in the squad at all. So that's the kind of context. Around that time, he'd had a conversation with Gareth Southgate. You know, are there any problems with me if I'm not playing for City, not playing for England? Southgate was like, no. So he went into the Euros, short of his place, obviously had a great tournament, came back to City. He started the first game against Spurs, having had like no friendlies, like two training sessions, three training sessions. And I'm led to believe as somebody who's not a professional footballer, that that is incredibly difficult to do. Um, so, like, all credit to him there, but um, was out of the team again after that. He travels with the team, yeah, of course. All the squad is travel tomorrow to Budapest to play the Champions League. And have you been happy with the way he's reacted after he was left out of the squad? Always, always uh, Raheem and all the players training and react really well. 
I don't expect they are happy and the guys who don't play nor even the guys who are not selected. So it's normal. It's uh, always happened since the football was created. Brahim in this case have been so important and is so important for the team and for all of us. So when the rumours for Sterling and Barcelona came about kind of in the autumn time, everyone was like, that's just completely off base. But as far as I know, he did want that loan because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing at City and ultimately if he's not playing then he's not happy which is like it's something we just hear all the time in football and it's sometimes it sounds more confusing or complicated than it is but ultimately that's just how it is and maybe some players can wear that a bit better but he's I don't know he, he seems to be one of those not necessarily complains around the squad and has an impact there but if he's not happy and he's, if he's not playing he's kind of maybe taking that home a bit yeah. you know more like not, not himself at home around the kids blah 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 so wasn't playing, wanted another opportunity. Barcelona were very keen on that. He was very keen on it. And then when the Barcelona hierarchy, I can't remember who it was, there was two of them, the sporting director and the CEO, let's say, turned up at Manchester, well, City's training ground in November. City were like, okay, then this will be out about Sterling. And they said, Ferran Torres wants to come to us. Like, here's an offer. So at some point, Barca would switch from Sterling to Torres to maybe skip ahead a bit and we can go back and pick it up. Over, well, since... November, December, Sterling's been back in the team and having played two out of 11 Premier League games at the start of the season, he's, he's played 11 of the last 13. So that kind of brings us up to date now. I just want to kind of rewind as well to after the Euros because that's when his stock was pretty high, right? Having, like you said, come off the back end of the season where he hadn't played a lot, probably wasn't when he has featured playing to as high a level as he would have liked. So were there any contract talks at that point when his stock was pretty high, perhaps he'd got his agent affairs in order by then. And if they didn't happen, why not? I don't think they. I don't think they did um, purely because because when he kind of put them on the back burner for whatever reason earlier in the season, City may have taken that as what's going on with this. Like, does he not want to go? But City would always want to protect, not necessarily the value, but just keep such a good player. Having played so well at the Euros, it would have been a good time to say, right, come on, let's go and do this. And like I say, that would get to the stage there where he would have had two years left on his contract. And that's kind of, that's the last possible point you can do that, isn't it? Before it starts getting difficult, before it starts going, before the clock starts really ticking. Is that is that, like you say, a, a very pep and city thing that if a player doesn't want to engage in contract talks for whatever reason, whether that's because they're not playing or they've changed agents or they're not ready to commit. Is that quite unique for City in a sense that that is an absolute red flag and at that point it, it spells to them that a player has one eye elsewhere? It may well be because it doesn't happen often. No, they, they obviously lost Leroy Sane, but the Sane thing was basically exactly the same. And when Sane was, you know, there was difficulties with the talks. They couldn't really pin down. He had problems with, people didn't know who was representing him. I think his mother had a lot of, input on it but also there was talk of him going with like David Beckham's agency or whatever by the time it got to the summer and they'd already established he was going to go to Bayern Munich it was always very complicated and it just inevitably got to the stage of okay this guy's leaving so the red flags would have been there but at the same time they did tie Sterling down to a contract that he eventually signed in the, in the November and they would have seen okay well it went quite smoothly with Raheem didn't go quite so well with Leroy but everyone else last season they got De Bruyne signed up I think over the summer they went on a bit of a 
an offensive with it. I think they got Edison signed up. Who else? I think they got Diaz a year after he joined. I think they signed him on with a new contract. I think Foden's is going to be done. So they're probably thinking, oh, hold on a minute. We've, we've been down this road before. And also, you know, as football people, they would know what that may look like, even if it's the wrong perception. So they may start having those, seeing those red flags. And then if he had three or four years left on the contract, it's not so bad, is it? But then you start thinking, if he's not going to stay and somebody makes an offer this season, even if he's not necessarily saying, I want to go to this team, if City had got an offer in the summer, they may have thought, this is probably the best for us because we're not sure if this guy wants to stay and we're not sure how much money we're going to get in the future. But obviously no no big deals came for anyone. You know, Bernardo Silva would have gone, but nobody paid the money. Um, I think Gabriel Jesus as well. City let look like Aguero, Silva, company. They come to the end of contracts at Yaya Toure as well. Obviously City are quite happy for players at the tail end of their career to leave on a Bosman. But then if we get to the summer and Sterling still hasn't signed, I'm imagining City wouldn't want to let him get to the, the end of his contract and leave on a Bosman because he's 27 to 28. He's, I can't remember the last player of that clout of that age that would have left Man City on a on a free transfer. You'd probably know better than me. I can't remember who that would be. It feels like a situation they wouldn't let happen. Well, like I say, even if it's not leaving on a free, like with Sane, he, he eventually yeah. left. But Sane is the one that stands out as losing a player that they wouldn't necessarily have wanted to lose. You know, City don't then City aren't in that situation. They haven't been for a while where, like Chelsea, even with the, I know Hazard was came down to a year left on his contract, but they haven't generally been in that situation where it's like like United used to be, and even when they were at the very top, with like Van Nistelrooy would go. Like Beckham went, you know, where like Real Madrid and Barca could just come and say, right, you've, you've done your time at the top of the Premier League, now come and play for us and win the Champions League kind of thing. City have never been in that situation, even with those legends that you mentioned who run down their, well, not run down their contracts. They just went, this is when we're going to do our kind of amicable thing yeah. and leave. And that's how it worked. So no, it, it hasn't really happened. And, and I suppose that's the interesting thing about the summer. City wanted to do a bit of a refresh last summer anyway. And Guardiola's talked about that being kind of necessary. I think... I asked him about it recently, completely unrelated to Sterling, but in the sense of he was thinking the best way to keep a team at the top is to refresh. You know, you either change the manager, you change the players, and obviously he's not going to go. Ferguson used to do it every year, well, every few years. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And if you don't do it, you can have problems. And he was thinking this is the way to do it last summer, but it didn't happen. There wasn't a refresh, but they're still really good. It's it's interesting with Sterling. I don't want to go too far down the road of, oh, we'll get to the summer and maybe he goes. But, you know, if, if... there's basically, there's two scenarios I can see, and I may be missing one, but the two obvious ones are he finishes the season in the team and he plays as many games as he has been in the last month, in which case that's quite easy. He'll sign a new contract. Um, and maybe because purely by dint of having a year left, he'll get loads of extra money as well. Yeah. Like John Stones ended up signing a new contract last summer. That was another one. When he had a year left and he was on like, oh, I don't know. But the rumours are like 250 grand a week. And you just think, they were... Like they were going to sell you 18 months ago and yeah. because you played so well and it's been so late you're going to get so much money um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Sterling signed a new contract in the summer and everyone talks about 400 grand a week or whatever but that's just the circumstances like I don't think at any point in this he's been holding out for more money it's just it will go on quite late because he wants to play the other outcome is get to the end of the season again and Guardiola decides it's either Grealish or Foden or Mares or whoever it may be is in the team and Sterling doesn't play as much and then he just thinks, well, it's a World Cup year. I'm not going to sign up, as I've already said, for for a team where I'm not sure if I'm going to play. But now think about the last couple of months. I mean, you touched on it in the piece. He started, what, 11 of the last 13, is it now? Um, 
maybe the weekend against Southampton was probably the worst of his performances in the last couple of weeks. It was a frustrating game for probably a lot of the City players. But player of the month in December, 10 league starts recently in which he scored six goals, five in, in four at one point. So how much would have that shifted it? Or is it just a bit of a good run and still his mind might be elsewhere? No, it's not so much mind elsewhere. It's more wary of, he was in the team last December, January. But by March, that was the problem. You know, it was the end of the season. You know, it wasn't in the team at the end of the season. So what if the same happens again now? Because it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, it's not. It it looks bigger because of who the profile of the player involved, the profile of the club involved, and you know the perceptions in the media of oh, 18 months left on the contract, and and also the economics of where could he go and all this kind of thing. But ultimately, it's just he wants to play and won't and won't sign up for something where there's no not necessarily guarantees of that, but. He just doesn't know what's going to happen. So why would he sign up now, let's say, on the back of four or five weeks of consistent football, but then it gets to March again and he's out of the team for two or three months or not playing the kind of minutes he wants, but he's locked into this five-year deal? Is this is this is it partly what though, as City players, you have to accept with Pep that he loves to rotate and this is... If you're going to be in a Pep Guardiola side, sometimes you've got to suck it up and be part of a rotation. Or if you're a player like this... That's not in the equation. I think that pretty much is it. It's a good question because, you know, Guardiola always says that. And that's how it's been. You know, when I said at the start, he just wants to play and he's not happy when he plays. It's it's such a kind of simple phrase, but it doesn't cover everything because because nobody's happy when they're not playing. Especially at a team like City, you know, they they could play they're probably thinking they could play for any team in the world, so why aren't they playing here? But the issue with City when Guardiola starts to not pick you is is your attitude still good or not? One of the things Guardiola says and City fans will kind of smile at is he always says, no bad faces. So if you're pissed off, don't let anybody see that in training. You you come in and you give 100%. And when you play, you give 100%. And he keeps saying, you know, show me on the grass. You know, don't talk in the media. Don't have your agents do this, that or the other. Just show me on the grass. And that is the viewpoint from City. But I don't, I'm not sure how much over the line Sterling would have gone or which side of the line he falls on, I should say, in terms of not playing, so therefore disruptive around the team. Because, you know, some players, when they're not playing, they're just kind of moody, hood up on their phone. That's when you don't see them in the team for a long time. But some are, you know, they're not playing, but they're like they're like clapping them out and like cheering them on as, as, as their teammates are going onto the pitch. And they're very much part of that group. So Pep wants you, even if you're not happy, to at least, you know, put the the maximum effort in. I'm, I don't think... I've not heard Sterling have a, a major problem with that. He's not one of the, the players I've heard of who's kind of less constructive when they're not playing. It's purely, like I mentioned before, in terms of him not being happy, it's more like doesn't like, doesn't feel great as a person. And, you know, your life as a footballer, he's not content by all accounts, to sit and earn loads of money despite the fact he's not playing. And that goes the same if he plays but doesn't play well. You know, he'll beat himself up over a missed chance where maybe, you know, Sergio Aguero wouldn't. I think at City they say, if, you want, if you're expecting to play 60 games a season, they forget it. It's not going to happen. You need, you need to learn to accept that you're not going to be in the team all the time. But I think maybe the, the flip side of that coin from the player's point of view is if you're, if you're not playing in the Champions League games and you are playing... When he's rotate, when he's clearly rotating the team and keeping other players fresh, and you're coming in for Premier League games against like Leeds at home or whatever, or whoever they played at the end of last season when they changed the team around. Like there was a game at Newcastle after they won the league. These kind of things. 
I think you then know this. Like I know, I know, I wasn't expecting to play every game, but I'm clearly not in the top team here. The first eleven. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast, and when we come back, we'll talk about Pep's man management and City's transfer window. So do stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Sam, we talk about players being left out by Pep, well, being rotated by Pep, but there's kind of a previous, of, there's a difference between rotation and being left out long-term. So Bernardo Silva last season, I'm, I'm thinking that, was, that wasn't that was so much rotation, he, he was left out quite a lot and it was the same with, with Sterling towards the back end of last season and the start of this season. It wasn't so much being rotated, it felt like they were being left out on a consistent basis. But Pep's got previous of that and then bringing people back like he has done with Sterling. I think he's done it with John Stones in the past as well, Bernardo this season. How, how does that kind of facet of Pep's managerial style work? Yes, yeah, good question. Well, I mean, in terms of Bernardo last season, I think he did play a lot. Um, Maybe I got it right. He just feels like he didn't for some because now he plays every week. Yeah. It feels like he didn't. So if you're asking about Guardiola and how, how it all works man management-wise, I've, I've explained this before and you need to be careful because as soon as you start saying stuff like this, you automatically think, it's just not something you associate with a successful winning team. But I've said this before, and Guardiola's kind of admitted at least that the players wanted to go. So that stuff's kind of officially confirmed on record. But certainly in the summer, and I think even still now, to be fair, you know, it's not like all of the players and Guardiola are best mates. Like some of them are a bit like not really sure what to think of him. But ultimately, it's not had an impact on the pitch. But if you hear headlines about four or five players want to leave because they don't like the manager, you're thinking. It's, you know, midway through Jose Mourinho's third season at the club. You know, either he's going to get sacked or the players are going to go. They're probably eighth in the table. It's not going well. There's a bit of a crisis going on. But you don't necessarily expect to hear that from Manchester City when they won however many games in a row last year and got to the Champions League final. Um, but I think it's, you know, same. it's the same as a lot of big clubs. I think it's the same at Liverpool. So there's that side of it in terms of not necessarily fully on board with what Guardiola does in terms of attitude around the trade, change the ground in terms of how they feel. But ultimately, when they go on the pitch, it doesn't make a difference. But when it comes to maybe making a decision on their future, maybe it's a bit of a factor. But with Bernardo Silva, for example, he just wanted to move back towards Portugal. And I know this is very loose, but it's like he just wanted to go to Spain yeah. because it's near Portugal, similar weather, similar language. And he also, he nearly had that move the summer before 2020 which was on the back of when he had the racism charge for the Mendy tweet. There was the pandemic, you know, everyone was on lockdown. Then he thought he was going to Barcelona. It didn't happen. Nobody knew about it actually for a year. But City were like, okay, we owe you a move this summer so you can go. And then still didn't go anyway. It just feels like it's something that happens a fair bit. Laporte's another one I didn't mention before. Like he didn't play much last season, but then it feels yeah. more this season like he's recovered from that and, he, and his first choice again. Yeah. It's just something that it's, he might... It's I, I, know what you mean, I know what you mean, Dan. It feels like under Pep, a player can be not even in the matchday squad and then suddenly thrown back, in, back into the mix for and perform at a really yeah. good yeah perform at a really good level and, and be the starting name on the team sheet for, yeah. for two months again and then suddenly disappear. It's... It's that ridiculous standards that that Pep demands, but you wonder how 
he manages to keep everyone happy when you do have such an extreme kind of in and out rotation slash drop sort of philosophy. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose the answer to that question is in terms of keeping them happy, he doesn't. In terms of their their view towards him in, in a lot of cases, that that is just how it is. But as you see from their performances on the pitch, it's not like an open revolt against the manager. You know, they're not doing what he says because there's still that respect there. They still appreciate that if I'm if I'm here at Manchester City, I'm I'm playing good football and I'm winning trophies. So ultimately that balances out anything that where they may be thinking, I wish he wouldn't do that or you know, he's maybe treated do, him Do you think also, in, in in the case of Sterling, there's something to be said with, he's just been there a really long time and yes, he might just want a new, he, he might just want a, a new challenge. Yeah, yeah I but think I Spanish suppose, football is always something that he's always wanted to go yeah, and do. Yeah, and, and I guess you mentioned in the piece for City, it's a difficult one because that's obviously understanding for any football club when a player has given you brilliant service, won some league titles, domestic trophies, brought you so close to a European title. But also, someone's got to turn up and pay the right price. And I guess the issue for Sterling and so many players who want a, a new challenge is that the rest of European football are kind of broke right now. They don't, they're don't; they not awash with cash like so much of the Premier League is. And you look at his options and you mentioned in the piece that's kind of like PSG are the only super wealthy side, you know, who might be able to get his services and that's a really difficult one as a player. Like, do you want to go to that club if that's the only option that's on the table? Unless he does the extreme version and go for a free and then you, you know, obviously have a litany of options. Yeah, which I suppose I, I suppose that that's possible as well. I'm sure City would want to avoid that. But you're right, like, if this had happened two or three years ago, then it would have been easier, obviously, for Real Madrid or Barcelona. They're, they're still held up as the main two, even though obviously Madrid are, are doing better. But I'd still say City are a better team than both of them. But obviously, you grow up with certain ideas. And if you want to move to Spain, like you're thinking you want to move to Real Madrid or Barcelona, not necessarily Atletico Madrid. But there's also the question of his stock. Like I said, if he, got to, if he gets to the end of the season and he's playing loads and he's scoring loads and he's in the team, chances are he's probably thinking, well, I'm going to stay. But then his, his price would be more like more than 100 million even or like 100 million-ish because obviously he's got a year left on his contract. But he probably wouldn't go anyway. The thing is, if he gets to the end of the season and he's barely played, like last season, his stock's pretty low anyway. And you might not have Real Madrid or Barcelona trying yeah, it's, it's to, in trying the, to hold it's up in to their, their interest, of, right? Yeah. It's in their interest to play him because then they can get the biggest value out of him yeah, there's that too. in the coming window. But like, like Barcelona couldn't say, here's this, one of the top players in England, Raheem Sterling if he's had four months on the bench. And obviously Real Madrid, if they're trying to get Mbappe and Haaland, let's say one of them doesn't happen or whatever, and then it's it's the Raheem Sterling. I'm not, I'm not saying this is necessarily right, but in terms of the perceptions, because obviously if they were to buy him, I think they'd be getting a good player. But you know, in terms of Real Madrid and PR and all this kind of thing, those perceptions, if Sterling scored one goal in the last 15 games of, last season, which, of this season, which was pretty similar at the end of last season, you might not have those top clubs queuing anyway. So you've got this weird trade-off where the clubs would only be interested if he was playing and scoring, but then he might stay anyway. Just before we let you go, Sam, just touch on Manchester City's January transfer window and looking ahead to, to the summer. Would if they let Sterling go or if Sterling stays? Will that, will that affect things? If Sterling was to go, would that drastically affect the summer? I don't know, actually. I don't know. I mean, a striker is the main one that they still want. You know, and it'd be easy to think to look on the outside and see they're going so well without one. You think Pep is so kind of switched on and thinking maybe we're playing better now than ever. We don't need a striker, but no, he does still think that. But in terms of Sterling going, you'd you'd be thinking 
who's going to fill that gap? And maybe they, maybe that's where. See, it seems unlikely, but they've got Cole Palmer coming through, um, who who could play in a wide role. I mean, they've got James McAtee, who is in a similar situation to Sterling, really, only without the hype because you know he's not multi England international or whatever, scored so many goals. But he wants to play, and he wants to play soon. But he's a kid, so there's no guarantees, and it's that kind of awkward trade-off where it should be easier than it is. But maybe maybe they then use one of the youngsters to fill that gap. Um, but then knowing City generally, they give themselves the best chance by having somebody who's played fifty Champions League games. They played 200 games in the top flight for Borussia Dortmund or Atletico Madrid or Benfica. You know, these are the kind of players they want to get in. Um, and a lot depends on the kind of money being available. You know, you can amortise 150 million for a, for a striker over a five-year contract. So that's not so much in the books. But then if you're selling Sterling, for argument's sake, for 80, you've got that 30 million pound profit in the books there, plus the money they didn't spend last summer. And it starts to be a bit more manageable. But you, you start to wonder then, do they bring in a big name striker or, or maybe if they don't get Haaland do they get somebody like Jao Felix who could play as a striker but he can also play on the wing if you need to mm. but then you've got a bit of a smaller squad but then you use Cole Palmer you know these are all the kind of things that they'll be thinking of um, and look at the market and see what's available but I was thinking about this earlier actually like in terms of Ilkay Gundogan so I think his contract's up at the same time and he's a bit older but he's a key player but you think at what point do they have this refresh who would you want to let go and like fans when things are going well you don't want to see any of the top, the top players go but you think from City's point of view, maybe they refresh things a bit in that sense. You know, Fernandinho will probably go at the end of his contract. Maybe Gundogan goes and they bring in a, mid- a mid- midfielder to ramp things up a bit. I, I don't I don't know which way it's going to go, but losing a player who's con- contributed so many goals. And okay, he wasn't consistent over the last year, possibly 18 months. But somebody who's just always there and always available is, is not going to be easy. And I think a drop-off from that to trusting a younger player... I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating one. Thanks ever so much for joining us today, Sam. And I, I suppose whatever happens, you'll still be one of the first names in the team sheet for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And why not? Yeah, Gareth Southgate's man, isn't it? Sam, thanks ever so much for your time today. It's been great to talk to you. Have a good rest of the week. Anytime, guys. Thanks very much. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Bye. 
Still time to talk about some of the great writing up on the site right now, Flo. And yeah, let's carry on by talking about Ollie Kay's piece on the Watford model losing its impact. Would you go along with that? Because I actually think, yet again, I think that appointment will probably keep them up. You think the Roy Hodgson appointment will keep them up? Yeah, I think they've been waiting. They've timed it. This is just what Pozzo does at Watford. I think they've waited. They've timed it. And I just think he will have an impact. And I think there's enough there at Watford, especially in the front three when everyone's fit. And available, I think there's enough to get Watford out of it, and I think now the other the other teams around that area, Norwich, Burnley, Newcastle, I think they'll be fuming. I really, I think the opposite, you know, Dan, yeah, because yeah. Newcastle had a big win over the weekend. Obviously, yeah, they all won, didn't they? Norwich as well. Yeah, exactly. Not Norwich. I think Norwich are going to be one of those sides that kind of like flirt with safety, give us a few sparks, you know, a few big wins, but in the end, don't have enough to stay up. I think Burnley will go down. I think Watford will be that third team that gets relegated. And I think Newcastle might cling on by the skin of their teeth. Because I, I think, think they'll still go. I think Newcastle You think Newcastle are going to go? Gonna go? Just because yeah. I think I think with Watford, I think they just haven't got the quality of the players. Unless in the next, what? What day is it? it? You know, we haven't got long left in the transfer window. They're going to have to have a seriously good transfer window because their, def- their defence is a championship-level defence. And I don't think... Roy Hodgson or anyone can get the most out of of that squad if they haven't got the right quality of players. It doesn't matter who the manager is if you haven't got good enough players. With Newcastle, at least you've seen them investing. You know, Kieran Trippier, what ridiculous signing, probably going to add a centre-back in the next week or so. You look at Burnley and and some of the quality they've got defensively, struggling for goals, but when Corne comes back from African Cup of Nations, could swing things in their favour. Norwich, I still see... Regardless of, of of a good bit a good run, I think they will still go down. But I just I just don't see the point of this. I just think you know the Ranieri appointment was silly in itself. Let's take it back to to Cisco Munoz being being sacked. But three managers in one season standard normal. That's that's, that's standard Watford. And there'll probably be another one by the by the end of it. You wouldn't bet against it, would you? I just think well well also you thought to think about this right, Dan is. He the Hodgson contract is what I guess till the end of the season I think they've said. So regardless of if they keep if he keeps them up or they get relegated, they are still starting from scratch in the summer regardless, which is the Watford way. And and Oli Kay met like you know talks about that in the piece. It's it's a very short term, long term vision. It's you know sh- short and sharp, quick success. But to get you somewhere long term, but not having the same personnel in the building for more than six months or something. I suppose David Ollie mentions as well that about it losing its impact for the, for the players. When a manager comes in, you're never thinking, "Oh, this guy's going to be here for for long term," because you're you always know as a player whatever's going on, I'll outlast you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it doesn't help for for like you said, the level of performances as well, because the players would have known that leading into that game, there was already noise around Ranieri's future. And then halfway through that performance, you would, have, you, know, yeah, you would have looked up to the director's box and be thinking he's getting sacked within you know a couple of days well, of this one. Like, if you, if you looked up to that director's box, would you have been able to see with those 12 lights out? <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. No, it would be everyone in the dark, but you would you would have said there would have been a sense of of, of something anyway. But yeah. God, I feel I feel for Watford fans. It, it must be really frustrating because you almost get this this carrot dangled at you of FA Cup finals and promotion and 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 all that kind of stuff and and, and you know potentially big signings ish walking through the door. 
but then you have the reality of, you know, you don't really build a relationship or a bond with anyone and you just get relegated from the Premier League quite consistently. So it's a very weird place to be in. Well, one of us will be right, one of us will be wrong. I'm backing Roy to Kate Watford up. Flo is not. And a final reminder as well from me that you can read every article we've mentioned and so much more by signing up to The Athletic. Save 33% on a full subscription today by visiting theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Yeah, listen to Flo as I think she's got about four or five athletic subscriptions going at the moment, so she knows all about that. (laughs) Thanks as ever, Flo. Pleasure to podcast with you and our thanks goes to Sam as well. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening. Do get involved in the comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts and leave us a review if you are enjoying the show. This was the Athletic Football Podcast. Mark Chapman and Matt Slater will reconvene to discuss the business of sport tomorrow, so please join us again. The Athletic.